Hi, this is Jody Danen from Create Kids Club, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, food bloggers, are you ready to accomplish your 2023 goals faster than you ever thought possible? If you are nodding your head yes right now, the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program might be a great fit for you. We are now accepting applications for 2023, and I will let you in on a little secret. If you sign up before the end of November 2022, you can lock in at the current pricing. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind for more information and to apply. Here is a current mastermind member, Carrie from talkingmeals.com, telling you why you should consider joining the mastermind in 2023. You know, I just would tell people to take the leap because the motivation and the support that I've gotten from the women in the group has been invaluable and has just re-energized me. But run the numbers, you know, because I think if anybody actually took the time to just take the price tag out of their head, but put it on paper and look at, you know, when they could get a return on that investment, they would see that it's not such a crazy number, at least if that was their holdback. And if their holdback was just, you know, the fear factor of it, then again, it's that if you don't put yourself out there, you're never going to grow. You have to get uncomfortable. If we stay comfortable, then we're never going to change. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and the confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 355. I have Jody Danen with me today. She's going to talk to us about pivoting from focusing on clients to working for yourself. Jody is a registered dietitian specializing in recipe development and culinary communications. She has appeared across many media outlets, including TV, podcasts, and publications. She is the author of Super Simple Cooking for Kids and is the founder of Create Kids Club, a gluten-free food and recipe site focused on simple family meals and encouraging kids to cook. Jody, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. How are you? I'm very good, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, this is going to be a fun chat, but first we want to know what your fun fact is. Well, I had to think hard about this, but something unique that I came up with was that I once ran a full marathon without five minutes of sleep the night before. I could not sleep. And I should go back to say that I'm not really what you would consider a runner. So this was a really big deal for me that I I had gone that far. And I was terrified, but I did it. And um, it was eye-opening experience about what your mind and your body can do if you set yourself to the challenge. So I love that. Okay. So why did you only get five minutes of sleep? Were you just nervous about the race? I was so nervous. I was so, so nervous. And then when you started, when I got that way, I like talked myself out of sleep. So you're laying there watching every minute go by and getting more and more worried. And at one point in the middle of the night, I realized, wow, I'm I'm just not going to sleep. So... (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. That is the worst when you wake up and you're like, well, this isn't happening. (laughs) Right. You got to do what you can do. And it was, I was, yeah. So it wasn't a great uh, feeling by any means, but you know what? It was pretty, it actually was one of the best days in my life. I think that day what it turned out to be. So yeah, it was a big learning experience that I, I take that with me definitely going forward. Absolutely. That's huge. I'm sure you think back to that lesson constantly. And I have to know, how you did after? Were you just like 
did you just crash right there on the ground? What happened? No, I was running the Chicago Marathon and my brother was actually running it that day too. So it was a big deal. I'm only my second one. I mean, I had only started running a year prior. So it was kind of working through those goals of a 5K, a half marathon. And then I got to this level. But no, it was, I don't know, your body just kicked in. I don't know if it was adrenaline or what. I felt great. And we actually went out that night and, you know, you had to go around town with your medals on and see all the people. And yeah, I lasted until like... I don't know, 10, 30 or 11. It was, it was impressive. And I didn't feel that exhaustion that I, I should have. Wow. Okay. That, I'm going to think back on your lesson <laughs> in my future. So thank you for sharing that. I love it. Okay. This topic today that you're coming to the table with is very interesting because I've had a lot of guests recently talking about the opposite. Like if you're not making money, you know, get that client work and work for other people, do work for other people. And you're here to say pivot from that because this is what's worked for you and focus on doing work for yourself. So I would love to hear just when you made this decision to stop doing what the masses say and to start focusing on your work. Sure. Well, that's what I had heard too. And there's definitely a truth to it. I don't want people to think you should not do that because that's not the case. It's just knowing when you should stop doing that and when what your own personal goals are. So for myself, my goal was to grow my website. And I got to the point where my days, you know, there's only so many hours in a day that you are willing to work. And I had two kids and a family, so I wasn't willing to work from, you know, uh, sun up to sundown, which you could have done. So it was figuring out the balance between the effort put into my own site and the effort put into the client work that I was doing. And then deciding at what point did I need to stop that? And I saw when I was only working on other people's work and I didn't have time for my own work and looking at the numbers there and making some decisions that way. So you're not necessarily saying don't do this. You're saying do it if that if you feel led to do it, but then find that balance and don't get so into client work that that's all you're doing. I think so. It's deciding what your goal, if you want to grow your website, I mean, I did it because I needed the money, right? At first, you're not making too much money and you need to pay for things to keep that site running. And I didn't want it to be coming out of my family's finances. So I was trying to figure out how to, you know, make more on my own. So there's definitely a lot of benefits to doing the client work. I was doing photography and videography for others, which I really did enjoy. And the positives of that was my work in in those areas, like the quality of it improved drastically, right? You're doing that day in and day out, you get much better at what you're doing. Yeah, that's a good point too. Like your the work that you do for others can actually improve your own business because there are a lot of the same skills that we're using to bring our businesses to the next level, right? Exactly. So I felt like I just kept chasing after the instant money that came from that rather than focusing on my own site, which, you know, it's a little bit of a longer play. You do all this work and you're not getting paid tomorrow for it, but you will six months, a year down the line, continue to get paid on that work that you put into your own site that's living there. Yeah, right. So at what point did you feel, or I guess I should say, was there a point where you were like, okay, this is too much. You're either getting burned out or you like, you know, you weren't feeling good emotionally or mentally. And is that, was that kind of your tipping point? Yeah, I would say that was it. You know, you're working so, so hard on the work for other people. I couldn't take on any more work because there wasn't enough time. I wasn't making the money that I wanted to be making in the end, but my hours were used up. There really wasn't any more 
opportunity besides raising your prices and that. And there's, there's a ceiling to that as well. So I was debating actually whether I bring on a team to build out the photography and videography. And I actually did do that. I hired on some help, but that was a lot of headaches that I wasn't interested in keeping. <laughs> so that wasn't for me. So I learned that. And so after a lot of discussions with my husband and stuff, because I knew if I dropped that work, like it was about 50% of my income was coming in from that work and the other half was coming in from my site. So, you know, trying to let, let my husband know that if I stop doing this, there is no guarantee, you know, that money isn't going to be instantly replaced. It's going to be a, a process to get there. And he was completely on my side and very motivating for me to go ahead and go do this. So that was very helpful because it was scary. You were going to give up that income to hopefully make it up on the other end. Luckily, it, it did take a while. You know, I was saying it was a, kind of a painful year. When I got started doing this, I raised my prices. So naturally, I lost some of the clients and some of them stuck with me until I'm sure they found somebody who was less expensive. And we kind of just naturally parted ways that way. But then that year, where my income did go down substantially. And then all of a sudden, it didn't. It was painful until it wasn't, I, I thought in my head, because all of a sudden, I started making the money on my site because I had buckled down and got very organized and got started putting the work that I was doing for others into my own site. And it started to pay off. Oh, I love that story because it is scary, right? I mean, you have instant money and you said it so well earlier, money wasn't going to be instantly replaced. So it's scary. You're like, well, is it is it going to come and when and how much, right? You want to know, especially right. if you have a spouse who's like, well, what are you doing? Where's, where's the money? <laughs> so it's like walking into a very fearful, unknown area, but it eventually came. So how did you get through that time? Was that hard? Looking back, was it easier than you thought? No, it was hard. I had taken advice from others in the past too of hiring out stuff you don't like to do. So I had had a writer for the website for a long time. My site's been around for about seven years. So I've had the same writer for a very long time. So she was doing that. I always did the videography and the photography, but I did bring on somebody to help me get organized, planning out Trello. And so we use Trello for all the different posts to try to get ahead of it. And we were doing four posts a week. So that took a lot of organization to do. But yeah, it was difficult and scary waiting because these people were, you know, counting on the site too and the jobs and all that. And it did take a little while. So it, it was scary. It was hard. But then it would you could slowly start seeing it creep up and just the interaction through social media and all the different things that go along with constantly putting out content was positive. So it, it was scary, but it paid off. Yeah. And you didn't completely drop all your clients. You kept the ones that stuck with your value. Like when you increased your your pricing, they stuck with you, right? So you didn't just completely like cut off all your client work. Yes, you're right. So there was that. So there was def still income coming in in that way, which was really helpful. And there already was an income coming in from the site. So yes, and there were some brand partnerships, that sort of stuff that I had done for years. So there was other things. So that was helpful as well. Let's take a really quick break to talk about a service I'm really excited to share with you. As a food blogger, you've got so much on your plate. You are busy developing recipes, taking photos, writing posts, managing social media, and all of the other things. You work hard to help your readers live a more delicious life. 
even though you enjoy working in your business, I think we all do it because we love it. Your to-do list is probably a mile long. You know what I'm talking about. And maybe there are certain things you'd rather not deal with, such as writing. If writing is not your cup of tea, you do not have to go it alone. Heather Eberly is a content writer for food brands. She uses copywriting and marketing techniques to grow your business so you can focus on doing the things you love. If you want to gain Google traction, stand out from the crowd, and take your income to the next level, Heather can help you. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to get more information about Heather's services. Again, go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources and click on Heather's link. And now let's get back to the episode. And how have things grown? So I'm assuming like ad revenue has grown over time. And how has that gone? Good. Yeah. So the first year from 2020 into 2021, At the end of that first year, I saw an 89% increase in revenue on the website. Oh, that's crazy. That's awesome. (laughs) I had to wait a little while, but then looking back on the year, I'm like, oh my gosh, it really, it really is going up. So the sessions, so how many visitors, you know, to the site was up 37% and that RPM was up 38%. So that was also really great to see that everything was moving upwards. Then by the next year... So 2021 as compared to 2022, because I kept rolling with what we had set up the year before, there was a 170% increase in revenue. Oh my gosh. And sessions were up 112% and that RPM continued to go up 28%. Those are incredible numbers. You can't argue with that. No, it was. And that's when I was eye-opening and I'm say, I would say to myself, why didn't I do this sooner? It was, you know, and that's where I think the lesson for others, I keep listening to people talking about, you know, working for others and all that. But there is that tipping point where you have to decide which way you want to go because there's so much potential for you if that's what you want as well. And what did you focus on mainly when you started focusing on your content? Right, I guess, regularly scheduled content, getting out more content than I had been because I had just kind of did it when I had moments of time in between client work. So we got that very regular and I really focused on keyword research. I did that all myself. Really, I have ARFs, so I really like utilizing that to kind of dig in and see where I might fit fit in and the keyword selection and that competition and all those sorts of things. So I got pretty honed in on that as well. Did you do any focuses on social media or Pinterest? You know, I've had a Pinterest manager for years and years, so I always leave that to them. I have tried Facebook and Instagram here and there, but I haven't seen a lot of growth in those areas, unfortunately. So that's this year I am focusing on Instagram. I've I've brought somebody else on to try to help me with some of that. So I will say that social media is not a strong suit for me, but I'm working on it. Yeah, and you can only do one thing. I mean, you can't do everything at once, right? Like you've made the decision. Here's my tipping point. I'm going to focus on my content. You can't just dive into all of it. You have to start somewhere. And do you feel like SEO and keyword research is a great place to start? For me, definitely. Because to me, that's what pays the bills. I can get paid on that ad revenue. But on social media, that's not really, to me, a guarantee. I mean, I know there's brand work and clicks back to your site, but I've just never gotten very successful at that yet. So, and like you said, there's My brain only handles like little chunks. I can focus if I know what my plan is and go for it. So So if somebody's listening and 
their eyebrows are raised like, hmm, maybe I'm at my tipping point. Maybe they're feeling burnt out or really overwhelmed, frazzled, all those things I feel like we all feel sometimes. What would you say is a good next step for them if they want to decrease their client load and begin to focus more on their own content? I would say, yeah, it definitely evaluating their site, running it through Google Analytics, looking through all of what they have already set up, finding the areas they're strong in. And if they can't just rip the Band-Aid off and stop doing that work altogether, which I totally understand because it's it's quite terrifying. Like you said, I think a great point would be taking on a certain amount of client work. And actually, that's what I had decided. I was going to take on two videos a week or a month or whatever it was. I had a number in my head to make a certain amount of money that month and then filling in the rest of the time with my own work. So you can slowly back down that way. Um, It's really up to you, but the more time spent on your site is going to give you the best results in the end, in my opinion. Yeah. So like really setting some boundaries around what you're giving to others and that's going to open up time for you to focus on yourself. Yes, definitely. Anything else you would add? Is there anything we're missing like tips you have or maybe something you pulled away as a lesson or anything along those lines? For me, getting I'm not the most organized person on my own, but I'm very good at following a plan. So for those people like me, having somebody help you or just setting the time aside to get organized in your posts, what you are going to be doing, know what you're going to be doing for the next two months post-wise. That to me helped me immensely because you could then batch content that was similar, do the work at the same times, buy the groceries at the same times. That helps save a lot of time and energy in my opinion, but also knowing what you have to do ahead of schedule to help me be successful. So goals, setting your goals. What do you want for yourself? What do you want for your business? Organizing your content and your calendar and then batching. I love that you batch too. I think there's there's such power in batching that people don't give credit to. I think batching is really scary because it's hard. And a lot of people make that excuse, like, I don't do batching well. So they don't, because of that, they don't try it or they don't dig into it and they miss out on so much magic. I feel like there's so much power there. There really is. You just got to try it out and try to get organized. And I think they'd be surprised by how much time they can save by doing so. And you can batch in so many different ways. You can batch by topic or like, you know, writing one day or doing photography and cooking one day. But that's not the only way you can batch. You can batch in so many different ways if you just take the time to think through your schedule and your calendar. Anything else with like organizing your calendar and strategizing that way that might help people? Well, I really found that I liked using a tool to organize it rather than I'm kind of a pencil and paper kind of a person. But when you work with other people, you can't do that. So I really enjoyed Trello that you can, if people aren't familiar with it, I just start with the free plan. I think to add up people in, you have to pay for some of that, but it was very, very helpful. You can put so much information into each of the cards and move them around. So it it just makes my life a lot easier by using some kind of a system to help organize. And do you organize your client work in the same way? Do you have like something that you share with your clients so you're on the same page, anything like that? 
well, I actually don't have any more clients right now. So it's oh. only my own, my own content right now. But no, I didn't actually do that. That probably would have made things a lot easier to do that. I had it on my own end what was going on, but I did not have anything on their end. So how do you feel about not having clients? Are you happy or do you miss some of it? I sort of miss them because I really enjoyed working with them. They were all so great and it was fun to try recipes, um, making recipes that I wouldn't generally make on my own and then making them look pretty. I really enjoyed that challenge. I think it helped me grow very much in, in certain skills and even cooking skills and things that I make for my own family, that sort of thing. So I, I definitely miss that. But a big shift that happened for me, too, is my daughter was diagnosed with celiac disease. So I worked for a lot of bakers and there was a lot of flour being brought into the house. And at about a year ago, we had to stop. Like, I, I don't bring flour into my house anymore. So it kind of all worked out yeah. that it kind of ended at the right time. So Yeah, I love how this was a journey for you. And I think we have all experienced this on some level where whether we're working for others or not, there's so much to learn and it can kind of bleed over. So the work we do for ourselves can benefit client work. And then the work we do for others can benefit our work. So I think there's value in exploring all of it, but I love how you've just gotten to the point where you've had to set boundaries and prioritize. It's like this story for you and it's really cool to see how it unfolded. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I was reflecting on from my when the time I stopped taking on clients or reduced the client work, I'm up 100 or 405% in revenue. So I am blasting out oh. what I had been doing even combining the client work and my other work. So it is just, I mean, that continues to grow every single month. So it's just eye-opening what you can do. And I think it was watching a lot of my clients. These were very successful bloggers and seeing their sites and how wonderful the stuff that they were doing. It was encouraging to me too. I'm like, if they can do this, I can do this too, but I got to figure out how to do it. Yeah, right. So cool, Jody. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Is there anything we've forgotten? Any takeaways you want to leave us with before we start saying goodbye? I just say stay focused on your goals and keep working every day to act on them. Yes, I love it. We will put together a show notes page for you. So if anyone wants to go look at those, go to eblogtalk.com forward slash create kids club. Do you have an additional quote that you love or additional words of inspiration to share with us, Jody? I do. And a lot of food bloggers might already know this one because it's from Bjork over at uh, Food Blogger Pro, the 1% infinity, making a little bit of progress every single day forever. That sticks with me. And I try to do that every day in my business and life. Uh, yes, life too, right? <laughs> Not just business. It all bleeds together. Why don't you share with everyone where they can find you online and social media? Sure. I'm at Create Kids Club on all social media platforms. And my website is createkidsclub.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jody, so much for joining me today. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.